and welcome to Behind the Soundcheck, a podcast taking you backstage and behind the scenes with musicians and people from all around the music industry. I'm Tiana Speeder, host of Behind the Soundcheck, professional rambler and reviewer and all-round music nerd. Whatever you're up to right now, maybe you're avoiding eye contact with a stranger on the bus, maybe you're my mum, hey mum, but whatever it is you're doing, thanks for joining me today. It is awesome to have you here with me for another episode. Catching up briefly on the previous episode of this podcast, which just dropped a few short days ago. I had two dropping for the price of one this week. But for the previous episode, I, of course, had none other than Mr. Devin Townsend, aka the Canadian Creative Cauldron, master of all things prog metal, layered soundscapes, and one of the most intriguing humans I've ever had the pleasure of chatting with. We talked about his brand new album, Lightwork, which is out in the world officially today, by the way. That's Friday the 4th of November 2022 if you're not listening on the day of release but we also chatted about creative control comfort zones ever so briefly high school reunions and a heap more it's a must listen for fans of heavy Debbie or just music in general Devon is an absolute font of insight and knowledge and there's definitely a lot to dive into so be sure to give that ep a listen if you missed it earlier this week But on to today's episode from Canada last time back home to Australia. This guest today also has an album out today and it's none other than Slowly Slowly guitarist and vocalist Ben Stewart, aka a lyrical and musical wizard who has been carving out an amazing career both as an artist but also working to inspire and educate the next generation of up-and-coming talent and crew members and beyond in the music industry. On Slowly Slowly's brand new album Daisy Chain out today, The band once again showcased themselves as being insatiable leaders in the modern indie and rock realms, with an album packed full of catchy hooks, heartfelt narratives, and the creamy yet captivating trademark sound that slowly, slowly have spent over seven years crafting. Daisy Chain also showcases Ben's own personal strides to rediscover himself, both as an artist and a human in general. And the end result is simultaneously something that can soundtrack your summer, as well as being a collection of songs that intimately challenges and inspires the status quo. Punchy yet poignant, catchy yet cathartic, Daisy Chain is a true triumph for Slowly Slowly. And while it's strictly not a lockdown album, as Ben elaborates in today's episode, its end result mixes songs years in the making while also snapshotting a band continuously in their prime and also their journey manoeuvring the music industry in this brave new world we've all found ourselves in. Fresh off playing some epic shows around the country earlier this year and ahead of some acoustic launch shows and a screening tomorrow night, that's Saturday the 5th of November, of the new Slowly Slowly documentary Back to Basics, Back on My Bullshit. Join Ben Stewart and myself now, dive a little deeper into Daisy Chain. We also chat about songs 10 decades in the making with childhood heroes and returning to playing on the very stage that launched his live musical journey as a teenager. Here we go. Hey, well, I have Ben from Slowly Slowly joining me now. Ben, welcome and thank you for chatting with me today. Hey, it's my pleasure. Well, here we are. Somehow we're in October. We're barreling towards the end of 2022. I cannot quite believe that the year is nearly over, but an exciting thing that's going to happen in November, of course, is that the upcoming Slowly Slowly new album, Daisy Chain, is going to be out. It's just oozing in hard-hitting themes, beauty, criminally catchy tunes, but... Can you tell me, obviously, there's been a bit of a weird time coming into all of this, like going into Daisy Chain from Race Car Blues. What were some of the overarching ideas or concepts for the album early on for you guys? I think I've done a lot of growing since Race Car. Race Car Blues was such a, it was such a coming of age record in that I felt 
uh, I think control over who I wanted to become for the first time. Like I felt really like I was sitting in the driver's seat. And so, um, pardon the pun, but the, I think, I like it. but like, I think that it was that feeling of thinking that I was drawing a line in the sand in a way it was as detrimental as, you know, anything else. And so, yeah. um, uh, Daisy chain was, I guess, I think more of a, an acknowledgement of, the parts of yourself that maybe you can't change and um you know the acknowledgement that things come back around and they're you know things work in strange mysterious loops and you know you can tell yourself every day that it's a starting again from now but i think if you zoom out you start to see these patterns and um and that's sometimes like okay i think race car blues was was sort of thrashing against a current and, and, um, you know, it was empowering and it was supposed to be this, uh, really a, a moment of self-realization and like a real onus on my behavior and, and things and mental processes. But, um, Daisy chain is, I think a little bit more forgiving and I think much more of a true representation. Uh, I, I feel at this point in my life anyway. Yeah. And that's the thing, I guess I've, personally have spent my whole life like kind of trying to run from the whatever you want to call it the shadowy part or the darker or bad quote-unquote bad parts of myself and I'm like sometimes it's like it's okay like and sometimes it is part of you and it's not like you want to embrace it and relish in it and go become an awful person but you know it's kind of okay to kind of just see those dichotomies and they can coexist sometimes and you can learn from them and everything's always in constant flux like we're never one person for the rest of our lives thank god for that <laughs> yeah yeah, I think it was like a maybe a naive interpretation early on to think that, yeah, you could just bury the parts of yourself. Like, you know, you've come to this moment of self-actualization where you realize that there's these broken parts. So then, you know, you sweep them into the spare room, but, you know, spring cleaning comes around pretty fucking quickly. Yes, and it does. <laughs> sometimes not, it's not voluntary. So yeah. uh, I think it was just, yeah, about just, management yeah definitely and like I, what I love is obviously your songwriting you've displayed this throughout your career and you know well into your much earlier days as a teen and beyond that and you just conjure this stuff that's like hard-hitting your lyricism is spectacular but there's also a lot of energy and especially on this album like there's all these earworms happening as well like you get these waves of emotional nostalgia mixed with a lot of sonic freshness like kick-starting this album journey obviously there was a lot going into it. Like did the pandemic play a role in the end result or did you kind of already have a lot of this in the works prior and it just, you just had to finesse it as best you could to get to this point? No, yeah, like, you know, I told myself throughout the lead up to the interview process around this record uh, that, you know, I didn't want it to be labeled as a lockdown record or, you know, and have it sort of like, um, branded by the year that we shall not name yes. but it's like but it was so instrumental to and it shaped so much of the emotion behind the record and a big part of this record was being honest with myself sonically as well as um lyrically in that i just wanted to create music that made me excited and we weren't trying to be anything um you know it was it was quite an honest depiction of the tapestry of music taste that you build uh you know unknowingly like a footprint you or a fingerprint i should say like that you have no control over like when you hear a song for the first time and your ears prick up 
and you say you like it. I mean, a lot of those decisions are made because of the music you listen to growing up and it's yep. not exactly a conscious decision where you go, does this fit my you know, idea of who I've built? So if I'm going to be honest with the music, I have to be honest with the content and yeah, of course it played a, a huge, a huge role in shaping uh, the concepts around the record. You know, I look back now and of course there's a lot of positives that came from those periods of isolation and stopping and taking stock and, um, you know, maybe this record wouldn't have existed without it because we were on a, a real wave, you know, uh, on the crest of a wave when mm. it all hit through with race car about to launch into the biggest rooms we've played and, um, uh, overseas plans. And then, you know, for everything to be halted and then to go, what sort of band do we want to be? And to come to the conclusion that you want to be an honest one that is driven by things that keep you excited, not things that make you successful. That mm. was probably a huge, a huge turning point for us. And so, yeah, very instrumental. Yeah. And that authenticity really does ring through. I mean, you've got the trademark for the silly sounds that everyone has come to know and love, but there's so much balance to what you guys have brought as a like fresher element to it. And I've read that the album's title track itself was a bit of a light at the end of the tunnel moment. And it came quite late in the game also offering what we were talking about before, like a timely reminder to accept kind of the good and the bad of ourselves. But can you take me through briefly the creation of that track and its place in the overarching album? It was quite a late, uh, I think, I, you know what, it was probably the last track on written for Daisy Chain, which is funny, but I think I, I wanted like a resolve in the overarching themes of the record. And, you know, I'd poked, at them with the other songs, songs like Turn It Around and, you know, a sort of like a kick up the butt to think about all of the times that you thought you'd expended every last ounce of energy and then then comes the like, you know, uh, you know, the burst that saves the day. Yeah. And then like songs like Forget You where you're just acknowledging that sometimes there's things you can't run away from and darker moments of medicine, uh, paper mache. And then I... I needed something that just made it all feel like it was for a, a point, I think. And, and Daisy Chain, um, I guess the, the loose metaphor that you could apply to it is I had someone in my life who is, was such a savior, but yet so delicate. And we sometimes forget that like some of those relationships that give you strength need to be looked after and they need vulnerability and, you need to treat them carefully as much as they are seemingly robust. And so with that metaphor in the song, you know, it's, it's almost like a cartoon. It's childish, like a nursery rhyme, but, you know, falling into a volcano and being saved by the daisy chain that was tucked under your shoelace and climbing back up. It's, it's such a delicate thing, a daisy chain. And the concept of that holding your weight, as you climb to safety, it just felt so fitting. And, and the concept of a daisy chain being circular and a lot of the record kind of centers around like loops and having that bird's eye view of your own behavior and, and foreseeing like the kind of cornerstones of who you are. Um, it just felt really fitting. And I wanted to start the record off with the ending uh, almost you know it's going to be okay. You know, you press play on the movie and you know it's going to be okay, but you're still 
strapped in for the ride. And I think, uh, I hope that that comes across, I think. Yeah, absolutely it does. And another song on there, like there are so many beautiful ones we could unpack. I'd have to keep here all day and then it'd be a terrible interview because it'd just be me and you talking about every single song. Although that <laughs> could be good, but um, I won't do that to you. But um, you did make my 16-year-old self squeal with excitement having Chris from Dashboard Confessional featuring on Moving Trains. like, And another song that has a bit of a epic backstory, like I believe it was a very, very long time in the making. How did the team up with Chris come to be and what was it about Moving Trains that meant it finally emerged after starting life as a demo, I believe over a decade ago? Yeah, it's a it's a really old song. And uh, there was a lot of time for introspection and retrospection um, over the last couple of years. And, and I think that demo was one that we never quite got right. It's keeps It's popped up every album cycle as a contender because it's I have this uh, point to prove with that song because it's for me it completely encapsulates the problematic way that I approached love self-love relationships and it was written in such a naive way in that I thought it was a romantic gesture I thought the song was I thought it was a love song when I wrote it and so now with this like I guess, more intimate knowledge of myself and how I operate. Yeah, I have a point to prove with that song because I listen to it and I just, I hear all of my problems in one song. I hear like, wow. you know, and so it's um, it, it's very interesting when we finally put it together uh, with Chris and I listened to it. I just went, I was filled with such a mix of like pity for like the, for little Ben, but yeah. also but also just such like a sliding doors moment of having like a hero from that, you know, a hero now, but such a hero from them in my life. Someone who's been so instrumental in how I crafted like my, I guess, heart on sleeve approach to lyric writing and honesty. And then being able to just close that chapter. And uh, yeah, so it's, it's, it's really nice. I mean, it, it happened really naturally. Chris is just a, like a beautiful curious spirit with music and he approached the song as if it was one of his own he was just so kind and uh everything happened very naturally so I can't I can't fault the process um mm. and yeah I added a few little sections that sort of gave shed some light it is a real meeting of like the old me and the new me yeah. And what a beautiful like end result it's come out as. I actually interviewed Chris twice over the past couple of years and he's exactly what you, I don't know if it's what I thought he would be. It's just what I hoped he would be. Like, he's just like yourself. He's that genuine, like not softly spoken, but just a very calming person to speak to. So I'm so glad the experience was incredible. And I really, I really do like that. It's had that, you know, strain through the whole time, this thread that's come through it. And here we are at the other end and it's finally on an album. It's so awesome. <laughs> Yeah, it needed like uh, it needed something. It always needed something, and yeah, I don't know whether uh, it was just timing or I mean Chris or something, but it just all of a sudden it was like now is the time. And like yeah. I remember, you know, Alex and I, who've been in the band from its inception, was uh, he's our bass player, and also we we spent a lot of time in the studio together over the years, but he when we'd get drunk, we'd put moving trains on, yes. you know, it was just this like, how the oh, man, like we just think back, we're like, how the fuck do we make this song work? Like why every time do we attack it? Does it not work? And I think 
I think it was, I was in that old mindset. And I think because this record centers around like an acceptance of oneself and not an acceptance of, yeah, those, those shadows that you were saying, like it's, and it's not about drawing the line in the sand being like, that's the old me. I hate that person. I'm yeah. now this person because, because this record has that acceptance. The song felt like really important to be on it because it was, and, and yeah, I think that's probably why it came to be. Yeah, well, it's an amazing result. And I know, obviously, too, you've got a lot happening in the rest of this year. You've got some acoustic shows as well for the doco, but you've also had a pretty awesome moment that stems back to your teen years as well. You had a full circle moment recently to your youth when you played the Youth Centre in Croydon, a venue you played, your first ever live show when you were 15. What was it like to walk out and play on that stage again? Oh, I mean, like, the reason that show was on the tour is because I insisted. Like, it's the time was right. You know, I just, I, I not only frequented that youth center and saw, you know, saw bands for the first time from, from such a young age, but I also then joined the freezer program and put on shows. Um, and so, you know, these bands that I grew up idolizing, you know, uh, kiss Chasey, the getaway plan, yes. uh, closure in Moscow, body jar. Like we booked shows Back then, I think there was maybe a bit more funding and a bit more less red tape around all ages shows and they happened yeah. a bit more. Um, and it was just a golden era. You know, we just, those hallowed halls, like just uh, lit such a fire in me. And I do a bit of youth work, like on the side, um, through the lens of music and songwriting for a couple of different councils in Melbourne. And it's something I'm just like super passionate about. So as soon as the the, the tool came up I was like we're going back to Evie's and yeah I have all this like VHS footage from our first show there and yes and uh yeah I love I'm planning to make a little compilation of the two you know it's like yes it was uh it was so cool nothing has fucking changed in that place it's it was so good like it went back it's like nothing has changed I'm pretty sure it's the same microphone kit it was just okay. it was brilliant yeah I, I, I really enjoyed it yeah, it looks like genuine time traveling in like one moment there. I'm, I love that. And just knowing that you have that, you, who knows what the impact you're going to have. And I, it's been really nice to see bands more and more being able to do more all ages shows. Like you said, there seems to be a little bit less prevalent from like when a lot of us were a bit younger, but it's awesome to see people like yourselves pioneering that still and inspiring the next gen. We need more. Bring it on. <laughs> oh, absolutely. It's like I'm really, really passionate about helping, uh, helping young people find their path with music because, you know, getting a lot better of course but there's very little navigation through the actual music industry taught through throughout our schooling system it's a lot of it centers on super ancient music practice and you know ignores entire fucking genres and uh you know the concept of being like a, a lighting technician or a guitar tech or you know these crew members that are so dear to us that are so part of our like family as a as a musician those career paths were completely invisible until they stumbled across them, but they're so valid and they're lucrative and they're important. And, you know, people can make good money doing it. And it's, you see a lot of the world and there's just so much of the music industry. There's just, yeah, it's, it's in the shadows as a young person growing up. And it's yeah. like, I feel a duty to show them that it's, you know, there's, there's a real life to be made through it and you don't need to be Taylor Swift. There's an audience for everyone and whatever mm -hmm. you create, people can you just have to find those people 
Yeah. And like you said, it literally does become family. Like you spend all that time with people and you see the world and you're surrounded by all of this. It's just like that connection is really like no other. So I'm all for it. I think yeah, the more we can get out there and the more younger people can know what's going on, I think it's going to be awesome to have that next next wave coming through. <laughs> oh, hell yeah. <laughs> and it was like psycho at the youth center because it's like, you know, the most people I ever saw in that place Cause it's like almost like on like half a basketball court. Like that's the vibe. Yes. It's not a very treated room or anything, but it's like the most people I ever saw in there was probably like a hundred. And like, we went back and played and it's like fucking rammed. And it was yes. like, I would never, if you had told me that my career when I was 15, if you had said that's what's going to happen, I would have been content with just that, you know, 250 people at EBS Youth Center in Croydon. I would have just been like, fuck yeah, sign me up. I'll do all the hard work just to get that. Totally, totally. For all this other shit is asking on the case. Yeah, and here we are, so much more to come. I just have enjoyed so much watching this journey just continue to flourish and it's only gonna get bigger and better from here. Bring on yeah. more bring on more Elijah's shows, bring on more stuff, but most importantly, congratulations on Daisy Chain. It is honestly beautiful. And I know you've got your shows, you've got your doco, there's so much to come. I feel like you're gonna be a very busy man into the end of twenty twenty two. Oh uh, yeah, if, if everything goes to plan. And uh, yeah, it should be it should be a pretty fun little downhill run. Yes, bring it on. Well, thank you so much for the chat. And of course, Daisy Chain is out November 4th by Unified. Ben, thank you for joining me today. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Well, that brings us to the end of another episode of Behind the Soundcheck. A shout out to Ben for spending some time chatting about the incredible new Slowly Slowly album, Daisy Chain. That album is officially out right now today. That is Friday, the 4th of November. And if you are in Melbourne, the exclusive showing of the band's documentary will be taking place tomorrow, November 5th. Tickets are sold out for that one, but good news, there will also be a live stream of the doco next Wednesday, the 9th of November. Covering the band's biggest live show to date and beyond, you can head to slowlyslowlyband.com for more info. As always, Behind the Soundcheck's theme song is courtesy of Brisbane legends Osaka Punch. The track you are hearing right now and at the start of each episode is called Hall of Shame. And you can check out more Osaka Punch fun over at osakapunchofficial.com. Now, today's episode is actually the second last episode for season two of Behind the Soundcheck. Somehow my unplanned second season I started this year is already about to come to a close. There has been, including today's episode, nine episodes so far this season and this year. And there's also another 10 from season one kicking around as well. Next week's episode will be closing out season two with a massive bang. I cannot wait to show you who I've got lined up for the finale. Let's just say my guest is an actual legend, as is his band. And the only other clue you're getting from me for now is that they're from North Carolina. So if that doesn't give it away, well, you'll just have to tune in next week to find out who it could be. For now, thank you for joining me today. It's been a pleasure as always, and I will catch you next week for one more season two episode of Behind the Soundcheck. See you then.